Welcome in, everybody. Episode 95, of course, for the podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Trey with all of you. We are recording on Tuesday. It is March 15th, right? 15th? Yep, March 15th. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Episode will uh, be released on March 16th, Wednesday. Uh, boy, this is probably going to be one of the most jam-packed shows we've done in, in quite some time. And we kind of spoke about that towards the end of last week's episode, how much stuff was on the horizon in terms of sporting news. Uh, we had, God, where do we even begin? I mean, we have uh, baseball free agency period now that the lockout is over. Lots, lots of signings, lots of trades. Big trade for the Mets, big trade for the Yankees. So we'll talk about both of those. Obviously, the, the legal tampering period in the NFL opened up yesterday. So there's been a bunch of free agent signings all across the league. A lot to talk about regarding the Jets. A lot to talk about regarding the Giants. And in a non-New York uh, scope, obviously, me being a Steelers fan, Big time news as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned. So we'll get into all that Uh, vaccine news, which is like the last thing I want to talk about, but very, very relevant with the start of baseball season. And um, March Madness is is officially tipped off. Got the first four, the play in games start tonight. Right now you got Texas Corpus Christi against Texas Southern, a 16 game. Uh, You got Indiana and Wyoming playing tonight. And as far as the area is concerned, you got Rutgers playing in a playing game in Notre Dame tomorrow night. Huge game to get into the tournament, try to face Alabama in a round of 64. Um, NHL trade deadline right around the corner. Man, we got a we got a bunch of stuff to get into. I guess we'll start quickly um, with the, the news today that broke with baseball because it's relevant with the start of the season coming right up. And that is with the way that the current private sector vaccine mandate New York City is written. Um, it's kind of come to everyone's mind today that both Mets and Yankees players who are unvaccinated will not be able to play in home games with the rule written the way that it's currently written. And obviously we've been talking chapter and verse about Kyrie Irving and him not being able to play in New York. And people just kind of were under the assumption that being that baseball is played outside that whole indoor mandate thing would not really apply to baseball players, but it has nothing to do with being indoors. It's just a private sector business mandate. All employees must adhere to it. And the way it's written, it's actually whoever wrote it kind of went out of their way to make it make the rule um, apply to everybody, regardless of whether or not the workplace is inside or outside. I think in the actual mandate, the way it's written, it even lists a vehicle. If you're a truck driver and you're in the vehicle with more than one individual, you have to be vaccinated in order to do it. So now that calls into question whether or not some key players for both teams are going to be able to play in home games and whether or not that mandate will get changed. Uh, We talked about last week the fact that we don't think the mandate is going to be lifted uh, because that opens a can of worms where people can file lawsuits if they lost their jobs to vaccine mandates. You start making exceptions for athletes, and then that opens up a can of worms, and I doubt the city will want to open that can. Uh, But you'd have to think that maybe conversations will be had so that the outdoor aspect of baseball gets an exception for having to be vaccinated. We don't know. Uh, we don't have a ton of specifics as to all the players that are not vaccinated. We could kind of make an inference that for the Yankees that Aaron judge is not because Aaron judge was asked about it today on a podium and just danced around it and said, ah, that not, doesn't really matter. You know, I, right now I'm focused on the season. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It was confirmed that he was unvaccinated last year. So you'd have to think the fact that he's still dancing around the question, which leads you to believe that he's still unvaccinated. As far as the Mets are concerned, um, they were one of the few teams in baseball that didn't reach that 80% threshold last season. So they have a good number of players that are unvaccinated. Um, James McCann is one of them. Brandon Nimmo is another one. J.D. Davis is another one. 
Uh, Conforto was a player that was unvaccinated. He's a free agent that obviously doesn't apply. And I don't know who brought it up, but there's a rumor circulating around the internet that Jacob DeGrom might be one of those people too. We don't know. We haven't been given confirmation, but we'll see what happens. But I mean, everyone kind of just was so excited by the lockout being lifted, Rob, and a CBA being signed and this free agent frenzy. And then what did, you know, someone just had to piss in everyone's cornflakes with this news that you might have key players on both sides that are not going to be available for home games. And for the Yankees sake, it even hits them harder because like I said, you got a key player and judge that's kind of uh, confirmed and I'll put confirmed in quotes because we're not hundred percent sure, but we're like 95% sure he's not vaccinated. But you talk about 81 home games at Yankee stadium where he would be ineligible if the rules aren't changed. And then you talk about the fact that the Toronto blue Jays are in the Yankees division and you're going to be playing at least 10 games in Toronto that he would be uneligible to play in because you need to be vaccinated to enter the, this country of Canada. So you're talking about upwards of 90 games that your best position player is going to be ineligible for. That's just not a recipe for success. So this is a big time story for everyone to keep their eye on kind of opened everyone's eyes today to the implications that this could have all the excitement of the season being back on has kind of been blown away and everyone's now concerned about the eligibility of certain players. Yeah. And next transaction you might see might be Brandon Nimmo and James McCann get traded for a vaccinated play to be named later. So, you know, you you, you might have to start taking into consideration of making trades with guys that are unvaccinated for a guy that's vaccinated. You know what I mean? It sounds, it sounds so stupid, but in reality, it, it could be reality. I mean, let's not put it past anybody because if you're going to be losing some of your players, 81 games a season, you listen, you have to take into account for that. You know, who knows what they're going to do over here? Baseball. We, I mean, not baseball, but, New York City in particular. Who knows? I don't know. But, look, that's got to be discussion for another day. That just came out today. Uh, you know, let, let's not worry about that right now. It's only March 15th. I w- I'm not that concerned about it right now because somehow, someway, I think, I think that's going to be solved. I think something to the effect of, you know, being a baseball being outside. And it is stupid. And you've seen Kyrie Irving the other day. He can't play in a Barclays Center, but they could sit courtside without a mask. I mean, it's just stupid already. These guys are playing outside. Let's stop the crap. Everybody's well, especially, doing especially the now. fact that, that baseball is one of the most socially distant sports that you can right. have. And you got the yeah, fans so, sitting on top stupid. of each other in the stands, but the right, players are okay. standing 60 feet apart. And, you right. know, silly. It's silliness. It's, it's stupid. I don't want to get into it anymore. <laughs> you spent enough time on it because, listen, as we left off in, in episode 94, we said by next, by next week on our next show, we're going to have a lot to talk about and dissect. And sure as hell, that's what happened because Major League Baseball, as soon as the lockout ended, I mean, transactions came flying in, whether it be free agent signings or whether it be trades. Same thing with the NFL. We have the free agent frenzy that started on Monday. And I think we need to put our effort into that. And let's not worry about this vaccine crap. And whatever happens with it, happens with it. Whatever it is, it is. What are we going to do? There's nothing me and you are going to change about it. That's it. It's going to go from the higher up. So let them deal with that crap. And like I said, it's only March 15th. Let's not worry about it. So what's go? What do you want to get into? MLB or NFL first? Well, we'll, I mean, we'll listen, be in that we're on we baseball. We got a lot to dissect. Yeah, being that we're, we're on the topic of baseball, I guess we'll start quickly with the with the two big trades that kind of fell through with the Mets and the Yankees. And um, I guess we'll start with the Mets first because I feel like the Yankees trade warrants a little bit of a bigger discussion. We can No we doubt. Can, we no can gloss over the Mets trade. So obviously on Saturday, 
uh, they make a trade for another impact pitcher, which a lot of people thought they needed. There was rumors that they'd be in the market for guys like Carlos Rodon, guys like uh, you say Kikuchi from the Mariners, but both of those guys signed in free agency. And then we get news on, on Saturday that the Mets make a trade with the Oakland A's. They get Chris Bassett, uh, who really just like an unsung hero of that Oakland A's staff. He's not a household name, uh, nor is the entire Oakland A's roster that seems to always rack up a lot of wins in the regular season. But Bassett was a mainstay in that rotation. Would have been an all-star in 2020 had there been an all-star game. Was an all-star in 2021. Was an extremely solid top-of-the-rotation arm in 2019. Uh, has one year left to control, so this will be his only year with the Mets unless they choose to re-sign him. But, you know, you had a rotation that was very, very top-heavy with, with DeGrom and Max Scherzer. And although that's the best one-two punch in baseball... It's a lot of question marks after that, right? What are you going to get from Walker? What are you going to get from McGill? What are you going to get from Carrasco? At least they've found themselves more answers with the acquisition of Bassett. They pay a little bit of a price. I know JT Ginn was an arm that uh, a lot of fans were kind of looking forward to seeing because he was a big-time power arm. And as I say that, Ryan Strom misses an open net again. It's like clockwork. Never fails. Um, But back to the topic at hand. The – you – when it comes to prospect hugging, you have to evaluate where your team is in the moment. And the Mets are going for it, right? So a guy like JT Ginn, who underwent Tommy John surgery, recovered, and is still probably two to two and a half years away from actually contributing at the big league level, you got to come to the realization that it might be better off for you in the current juncture that you're in to let go of a guy like that if it's going to improve your roster now. And Chris Bassett improves their team exponentially. It gives you a solidified answer in the middle of your rotation, takes a little bit of the pressure off the guys behind him in the rotation because the move from a number three guy to a number four or a number five guy is immense. So I think this is a no-brainer trade. I think it was a great deal by Billy Epler. Uh, Epler has a lot of familiarity with Bassett, being that Epler worked with the Angels, and they're facing the Oakland A's 18 to 20 times a year. So I think Bassett is a really, really good addition and and can really help round out that whole entire rotation. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great deal for them. And look, you know, Ginn wasn't projected to be a frontline starter. So he was projected to be a middle-of-rotation starter at best. That's who he was. The other kid, Ola, that they traded is a 27-year-old prospect. So you know what happens with 27-year-old prospects. They they probably wind up in the bullpen more than anything. You, know, the only thing- you know what I saw about him? It said that he, he, he's been in the minors for a number of years. Yeah. But this year, he kind of increased his spin rate a lot. Okay, he's a 27-year-old who discovered spider attack. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, you know, come on. That, that's yeah. what he is. That, that's, that's all he is. Yeah. He discovered no, Spider-Tack in his later years in the minor leagues. Simple as I that. I know. But I, I wouldn't worry about, you know, trading a guy like Ginn. Again, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't of, the, of the Matthew Allen stature, who, the, you know, the Mets have been missing again for the last couple of years. He's had surgery. So, um, I mean, look, it, it was a no-brainer trade for the Mets. And maybe they wind up signing him because we don't know what's going to happen with DeGrom. I'll be honest with you. DeGrom has already spoken and said, you know, he's probably going to opt out and he doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want to, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want to negotiate in season and you can't blame him. 
So uh, and look, after the year he came off of last year, where he missed right. half the year, why would you? He's going to want right. to pitch and reestablish his value as one of the best pitchers in baseball. And let me tell you something right now. I, I see a lot of Mets fans that are out there on Twitter getting all nervous about that. You saw the amount of money that Steve Cohen gave to Max Scherzer. If Jacob DeGrom goes out there and makes all 32 starts this year and pitches to a sub-2 ERA like we know he's capable of doing, Steve Cohen will never let him step foot outside his office. No. Simple Look, as that. Seen, he's seen the money Scherzer got. He knows. He's not stupid. Right. I, think, I, I don't see DeGrom going anywhere, to be honest with you. I kind of I feel like DeGrom will be a homegrown guy, but then again, we never thought Freddie Freeman would, would leave the Braves, and it looks like that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right. So right. we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, you know, after we're done with the dissecting the Yankees and Mets. And the Mets also signed Adam Adovino to, to solidify their bullpen. They still need a left-handed uh, reliever. They did sign Mike Montgomery to a, a minor league contract. Now Montgomery's a journeyman left-handed reliever. Don't know if he's really going to help him much. I think it was a minor league deal. So um, they still have to uh, – they still have to bring in a couple of left-handed relievers there for that bullpen. And I'll tell you, I, I know they brought in Adovino, but I wouldn't mind them seeing him bringing in Kenley Jansen either uh, because I, I just don't trust Edwin Diaz. You know, you, you're going for it this year, and yet the one big question mark is the psyche of your, of your closer, and he's a guy that has to come in with a clean inning. He cannot right. come in with a dirty inning at all, Edwin Diaz. I wouldn't trust him from the get-go. So – uh, you know, and, and possibly maybe add another bat to this lineup. Um, you know, there's been talk of possibly moving a Dom Smith, maybe even Jeff McNeil, possibly moving J.D. Davis. But now with the D.H. in play, I understand you have Cano there, but you also have Dominic Smith there to maybe put, platoon out a D.H. spot with, uh, with J.D. Davis. So that would kind of give them, you know, that would kind of give him a little – oh, man, Georgia's Georgia's give up another run. He th- flicks the puck out. See, this is what's the problem with Georgia. See him with his body language? Yeah, he's shot already. And, and Valaket has called him out on it numerous times. So I don't want to go off track there. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, so, look, I just feel like they need to solidify that bullpen. I don't trust that bullpen yet. You know, look, they, they – they, Aaron Loop left. He went to the, what he signed with the Angels, Aaron Loop. So I, I kind of think they really need to try and replace him. And we know, look, relievers are so volatile all the time. We, we just don't know. There's so much volatility with them. But yeah, that's why I'm hopeful for Adovino because he had a down year. You know? Yeah, he Hopefully did. But you know what? Listen, he bounces back. Yeah, I don't, listen, look, Adovino dominates right handed. His problem is, is pitching to a left hander. So, you know, look, with Buck Showalter, and, you know, we, we, we tend to forget we have Buck in the, in the, in the dugout now, Andrew. That's, that, is, that is probably the biggest transaction of them all, is getting a real proven manager in Buck Showalter who knows how to work bullpens. So that's huge, too. It, don't, don't dismiss that. Let's not dismiss that. But well, uh, one of yeah, the arms so- that the Mets were rumored to be interested in uh, actually signed with the Braves a little while ago. Colin McHugh is in Colin Atlanta McHugh Braves. Signed, but, and then the uh, the lefty was Jake Dykeman, who I think signed with the Red Sox. And then there was another lefty in play for the Mets who won a oh, bread hand, wound up signing with the Phillies where Familia went. And now yeah. let's hope, let's hope we can hit the shit out of Familia and, and he could walk the bases against us. Yeah. <laughs> like he's always I hope fun. so. I hope Let, so. Let's hope. Because I could see Familia come in and all of a sudden he shuts the door down on us. Right, of you course. Know. The that's one lucky that's still yeah. out there that I, that I think would be a good addition is Andrew Chafin. He's still on the market. 
Chafin's been rumored for the the Mets for a long time. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the holdup is there because, like I said, they could definitely use the lefty there. So, sure. I mean, I don't know if Chase and Shreve is still around. Do they still have him around? I don't know. I think Oliver Perez uh, retired. He He did. He finally did retire. Oliver Perez. He had a long run, but uh, yeah, I mean, they need a lefty in that bullpen. I mean, as as the the team currently stands right now, they don't have a lefty in a starting rotation either. Yeah, you need at least one left-handed arm in there. no matter who it is. And I know they got a couple guys that Alex Claudio has had a lot of big league time. They signed him to a minor league contract as well. He can compete for a job in the back end of that bullpen. But to me, I think you need a lefty that you can definitively rely on in high leverage situations. Those right. kind of lefty specialist guys are too hit or miss. I want a solid left-handed pitcher. Um, but I think, listen, with everything that they did before the lockout and everything that they've done now, I really, I, I just think that they need another, another arm in that bullpen from the left side. And then I think that they're ready to take the field. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make these crazy proclamations about what I think or they're going to be or what their record's going to be, but I just think that they've built a solid all-around team here, and I think that's the one area that I just think needs to be addressed. And then they could take the field, and we could take it from there and see what this team is lacking, see what they're good in, and, and that's, that's how you go. Uh, the Yankees, on the other hand, were pretty much quiet all offseason long. And fans were chomping at the bit for this lockout to end because they were hopeful that Hal Steinbrenner would would write a check and that Brian Cashman would go and make a big time splash signing. And I mean, I guess if you look at the name, they made a splash move, but they go out and they trade for Josh Donaldson. Uh, And it's a big time trade for a variety of reasons. Number number one, there's two regulars in the Yankees order. That went to the Minnesota Twins in this trade. It's Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez is a guy you needed to move on from him. Sayonara. Never panned out to what people had hoped he would have been. Terrible behind the plate. And Gio Urshela, listen, you caught lightning in a bottle with Gio Urshela. He was good in 2019. Everybody that went up to the plate with a bat in their hands was good in 2019. So I think you need to just, we need to pump the brakes on the Gio Urshela hype train. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a good little player. Nothing special, easily replaceable. Uh, they trade both of those guys to the Minnesota Twins. They get back Isaiah Kiner for Leffa, who I'm actually really high on. I like that acquisition. I think he could be similar to yeah, D.D. Gregorius. he's Gregorius. a glove, Andrew. He's a glove. He's, he's a, a glove. terrific. He's a terrific player. He'll be he's one of the glove. best players on this Yankees team. You mark my words on that. On the record, that will be one of the most sneaky additions made in baseball this year. But the other part of that deal that I just think is horrific, and I've spoken to a lot of Yankee fans, and and besides Bruce on our text thread. I can't find one Yankee fan who's happy with this trade. Everybody hates it. And that's Josh Donaldson. And listen, like I said, if you look at the name, Josh Donaldson, you may get excited at first just because Josh Donaldson was, keyword, was a superstar at one point. Won an MVP award in Toronto back in 2017. Was an all-star in 15 and 16. He's a shell of his former self. Number one, he's got an absolute noodle of an arm over at third base. He could barely make the throw across the diamond anymore. That's number one. Number two, he's a right-handed bat that strikes out a ton. Sound familiar? Uh, The other eight guys that the Yankees have in their batting order doesn't fit or balance the order in any way, shape, or form. Number three, he's 36 years old. He's under team control for the next two years at a $21 million clip. And then there's a team option for the third year. And if you don't want him for the three option, there's an $8 million buyout. So you're basically devoting $50 million to a guy who's over the hill, past his prime, and you really didn't need. I mean, did you did you identify third base as a glaring hole? Maybe we've been talking all offseason. 
You can move on from Gary Sanchez, try to find a better catcher. You need to try to find a better shortstop because Glaber Torres can't play short. You need to find a big left-handed hitting first baseman. You need to solidify the back end of the starting rotation. And they go out and they trade for Josh Donaldson. It's just not necessary. It's not needed. And for a team that's been so against going over the luxury tax for the past couple of seasons, they're pretty much right up against the luxury tax now. They have very little wiggle room to make any other moves. So I would have to think, or I would like to think, I should say, that the Yankees have another big move in the back of their minds and that they're going to blow past the tax. But looking at this trade at face value, if they operate the way that they've been operating the past couple of years and they're unwilling to go past the luxury tax, then this is just a god-awful trade. I'm sorry. It's terrible. Yeah, and it doesn't look like they are willing to go um, past that luxury tax, to be honest with you. Not at all. I, I mean, look, we'll see with the Freeman. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Korea is an option for them at all. Otherwise, they would have never made this kind of Falifa trade. And, you know, I mean, it's funny how the Yankees are operating now, though. I mean, I know they took on money with Donaldson. But all of a sudden now they need a starting shortstop and they're looking at kind of Falifa. And I get that they got guys like Peraza and Volpe in the minors. But at the same time, you know, the old Yankees would have, they would have had Korea signed, sealed and delivered. Yeah. You know, I mean, they really would have, they might even had Freeman signed, sealed and delivered by now. But at the same time, you know, they, <clears throat> at the same time, they have to understand if they want to have any chance of signing judge. I mean, then you probably can't sign a Freeman in a career at this point. I mean, how many mega contracts are you going to have on that roster between Cole, Stanton, then it would be Judge? I guess that's the way they're looking at it now because Freeman's going to come in six, seven years probably, you know. You know, that's such an interesting situation for me that you bring that up. And I, I kind of – I got into that somewhat last week by saying that the framework of a deal for Aaron Judge would be decided by whether or not the Yankees sign Freddie Freeman because of their the fact that they're both upwards of 30. Freeman's a year older. And I kind of said that. If you give Freeman six years, then Judge is going to say, hey, you should give me seven, you know. But it's so strange because you would think – that there's no room for a bunch of mega contracts, and that's why they're not making a splash. But then at the same time, I mean, this team is not good enough to win a World Series, and I really don't think a lot of people would deny that. They've done nothing. I mean, listen, you put Donaldson in that order. He's got a lot of protection around him. There's no doubt in my mind that Donaldson is going to be able to produce to some capacity and probably be helpful to this Yankees order, but it doesn't put them over the edge. It's not what this team has been lacking. It's not the missing piece to what they've been falling short with and what's been this Achilles heel is it's just more of the same. So I wonder you, you're saving room financially for lack of a better term to sign Aaron judge. But at the same time, you're acknowledging that the team is not good enough to win and you're not doing anything to change that in hopes that you can keep room to sign your franchise player two, three years down the road. That seems to be that the way that they've been operating the last couple of years. And I would love to kind of get in the heads of Yankee fans and see what they think about that. Because I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants their team to make big moves in the moment. They want the news, sign someone. Oh yeah, it's exciting. But I, I really wonder how they feel. Are you okay with sacrificing this year and not making any meaningful additions to the team this year in hopes that you'll sign judge next year. Like it's a balancing act. And I wonder how people feel about that. I think the problem is how Steinbrenner has seen the money they they have spent over the last few years and they've gotten nothing out of it, but some couple of playoff games for the most part. 
you could say it's been in Yankee land. It's been an objective, objective failure to them. I mean, they're spending all that money. Then he sees a team like the Rays have, have the success that they're having and the players that they develop. And the Yankees, again, we've, we've gone through this in the past, Andrew. They don't develop those players. They don't. I mean, you know, they're talking about Volpe and Peraza now like it's, you know, like they're going to be the next career and, and Corey Seager or whatever it may be. I mean, Peraza is more of a glove. This kid Volpe, they're saying with the bat. The, but you don't know how these kids are going to develop. You, you just don't yeah. know. I saw you a beat reporter. A beat reporter brought it up. He said, you know, if the Yankees indeed pass on a guy like Correa or they're looking for a stopgap shortstop because they have Rosario. Uh, I'm sorry, because they have Volpe. But what if Volpe turns out to be Rosario? Ahmed Rosario. Because Rosario is a right. big-time prospect for the Mets. Right. What if Volpe turns yeah. out to be that? And I'd argue, look at the Mets model, right? It could easily happen. Easily the Mets, could the happen. The Mets had Ahmed Rosario. They had two shortstops in waiting, I put in quotation marks, in the minor leagues with Andres Jimenez and Ronnie Mauricio. They still went out and made the trade for Francisco Lindor. They didn't sit around and say, we got the next shortstop, right? Because none of these guys are sure things. And I understand Volpe has kind of jumped his way through the farm system in a very short period of time. But you got to remember, all these other Yankee prospects who have been the next Babe Ruths and Joe DiMaggio's and Andy Pettit's and and, and it, how many of them turned out? Justice Sheffield, Chance Adams, all these guys. I mean, not too long ago where the Yankees needed a starting pitcher at the deadline, they were looking at Garrett Cole when he was in Pittsburgh and they didn't want to give up Chance Adams. You'd be lucky if you got a bag of chips for Chance Adams at this point. So it's always a cautionary tale to, to hold on to these prospects because there's even some guys – like all these writers and analysts that are all in agreement that someone could be a number one prospect. Once they come to the big leagues, sometimes they just don't pan out. So if you really think that there's a guy out there, that's a missing piece to your team right now, I think you go out and get them and you, you, you deal with the consequences later. And guess what? If you go out and sign Correa and his kid Volpe is as good as everyone says he is, you realize what you'd be able to trade a guy like that for. Like, so you got to look at it on both sides of the, of the coin here. There's flexibility. You just got to be willing to be flexible. You can't own yourself in on, on one particular guy because if that guy falls short, then you'll be in dire straits. Yeah, well, look, I mean, this is the Yankee. I mean, look, again, the Yankees are lacking pitching. They're lacking, like you said. They're, they're lacking a lot. And I'll tell you the truth. The one guy that they could probably trade at this point right now would be Glybert Torres to, right. get, to get what they need. They could probably trade him because you could always have DJ LeMay who plays second base. So, you know, he'd be the one guy now. Look, I tell you the truth. I thought when they made this trade for kind of for Lefa, I kind of had an idea that maybe Torres would be the type of piece that would headline a package to go to Oakland to get a guy like Matt Olson. That was my first thought because you got five infielders and, and no room for all of them. Yeah, I didn't think they would. I mean, I didn't think they would do that for Olsen. I, I, I think they're still reluctant to give up Torres because of his age. And now that they're moving him back to second base, look, you know, a lot of his struggles at the plate came when he moved, moved over to shortstop. So, right. But, but again, you know, the Yankees in that division, if the Red Sox are in on Freddie Freeman and they're in on Saeed Suzuki, you know, maybe they happen to sign those guys. And you're hearing that maybe even Kyle Schwarber might be in play. You know, if the Red Sox make a couple of moves here, you know, the Yankees are probably maybe even fourth best in that division because you just, you know, with the Rays, 
And the Rays were rumored to be an under on Freddie Freeman. Who knows? All of a sudden, maybe they come up with money. You know, who knows? But uh, to me, the Blue Jays right now are far and away the best team in that division. Yeah. I you know, agree. anybody, anybody, you know, I've, I've heard people say, you know, earlier over the last couple of days, well, the Yankees are still close with the Blue Jays. They still might be better. There is no way they are better than the Blue Jays. There's no way. I don't see it. I listen, uh, first of all, I, I'd say the truth. If I'm the Yankees, coming off the year he had last year, Andrew, I, I look to see if I can somehow package Stanton in a deal and get rid of the albatross of that contract. That is that contract. You don't tell me maybe the Dodgers wouldn't take him? Now with a DH in play, you know, he's more valuable. He's just as valuable. I understand the contract. I get it. But you tie in like kind of like what maybe in, in a lesser way what the Twins did to get rid of Donaldson's contract. You give up a couple of young players. So maybe you give up one of those short subs to get rid of that contract that supposedly really is, I think, tying them down from, from making other moves. But you know what? When you really think about it, though, I mean, we've been saying that for a while. But when you really get down to it and analyze this Yankees team, he's been one of their best players. The team is just poorly constructed. That's what it comes down to, especially he, in the postseason. They continue to fall short in the postseason. Stanton has always shown up in the postseason for them. He, he has. But again, that contract is it's a detriment with what they want to do with that roster. Now, again, you look at, they mimic, We've how many times we've said this, they mimic. That roster is mimicked. Voight, Judge, Stanton, it's all like the same. Now, when's the inevitable Brett Gardner signing coming? Right. And, you know, but but these guys, you know, Luke Voight, it's like been there, done that. Get nothing, get that guy off your roster. Get that guy off your roster. You got to get that guy off your roster. I understand you got him for a steal. You got what you got out of him. Fine. Turn him around. Get a couple of mid-level prospects. Just get that guy off your roster. I mean, let's stop with the whole. I mean, because again, how many times have we said it? They bully the garbage pitching the Yankee lineup. And then when it comes to a big series when or, or in the playoffs, they don't hit. Why? Because they're facing the number one and number two starters all the time. They're not facing the fourth and fifth starter of the Baltimore Orioles, of the Minnesota Twins, uh, you know, of who they're not facing them anymore. That's so the they're thing. not you think, of, you think of this Yankees lineup, the first thing that comes to mind is, is what they do every time they go to Camden Yards, right? They score 10 runs a game when they play at Camden Yards. Everywhere else, it's not the same scenario, particularly in the playoffs. I mean, you could, you know, I, re I remember specifically, and this is when I knew, I finally came to the realization that this Yankees team was just, it was just poorly constructed. Was you have it Aaron is, Judge? It's fully constructed. It has been, You're going to tell me Brian Cashman isn't an overrated general manager? Well, he He's is. last five, six, seven years. All I hear is how great he is and what he. First of all, what have they done with their system? We how many times we got to we go through this ad nauseum, Andrew? What have they done with their minor league system? What the hell have they brought up? What no, have they nothing, brought up? Nothing. Nothing. It's been worse on the pitching side than the position player side, but neither have been great. Besides Gleyber Torres, who was someone that they traded for. And it's no excuse. The Dodgers, the Dodgers pick at the back end of every draft. The Red Sox pick at the back end of every draft. The Rays do, and look what they're developing and bringing up, and 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 players that that are that are solidified in their lineup, in their lineups. The Yankees have done nothing like that. What has Cashman done? We made a Stanton deal. What you're going to tell me? That's a great deal. It was a salary dump by Jeter and the Marlins. That's all that was. He did them a favor. Yeah, he. he he got Luke Voigt for chasing Shreve or whatever the hell it was. All right, good. So you got a couple of good years out of Voigt. But what has Voigt really done? I mean, come on. What's he really done? 
He really hasn't done much after his first year and a half, and that was it. The Gio Shella, all right, that was a good acquisition, but you know what? He threw Gio Shella under the bus today, if you heard his press conference. You know, where he pretty much said, hey, you know, Donaldson is a much better player than what we had there. <laughs> I mean, that's a, he didn't even mention Rochelle's name. It's just what we had there. I mean, come on. You know, so this Yankee team has been poorly constructed. It's been poorly constructed. And they're lacking the starting pitching. I don't see Severino coming, coming into, into what they thought he was going to be after the injuries and everything. I don't see that. I see him as a... I don't uh, maybe gives you 130 innings if he's healthy. Maybe Domingo Haman is hurt again. You know how much you're getting out of him after Garrett Cole. I mean, really? And Garrett Cole has his own question marks. He got shit, shit kicked into the in, in, in that playoff game. I mean, come on. So I, they got so many question marks, but everybody figures, oh, the Yankees, Pennsylvania for 90 wins. I tell you the truth, the way this roster is constructed today, I don't know what they're going to be doing, you know, in the in the next few days. Maybe they make improvements. Maybe they sign a Freeman. Maybe they even sign a Korea. Who knows? I don't think they signed Korea, though. I'm just saying, maybe they make a couple of free agent splashes or another big trade. I, I don't see this as even an 85-win team right now. I, I just don't. And, I then don't. You throw, and then you throw into the mix the fact that Aaron Judge might not be available for the 81 home games. I mean, it's... Add that into yeah, the mix I, with I all mean, the question marks this team right. already has. Yeah, and you could add that into the mix. I know. You know, I watched this team play the Tampa Bay Rays, and I, I forget when it was. I don't know if it was 2020 or if it was 2019, but I watched this team in a one-run deficit against the Tampa Bay Rays, and I remember it vividly. They had Judge, Stanton, and Void up. They're three, four, five hitters, and the Rays had Fairbanks on the mound, and Fairbanks was, like, dangerously close to an immaculate inning. Just made all three of them look silly. None of them made contact. And that's when I really figured out, okay, th- this team can't win the big game constructed the way it is. And that was three years ago. And nothing has been done besides actually add more to that if you count this Donaldson trade, right? I mean, you're just adding to that prototype. Like, giant Brian Cashman has his type. He falls in love with these right-handed hitters that hit for power. They can hit the, the lacing off the baseball, but they strike out a ton. And then when you get into the postseason and the home run ball isn't everything and you're facing A-plus top-tier level pitching, they fall short. They fall short. Now, look, you play the Orioles 19 times, 20 times a season. You're going to beat up on their pitching. You're going to smack the ball all around Camden Yards. You're going to get 16 free wins right there, right? The AL Central, Kansas City's waiting for all their prospects to come up. Detroit is still not that good of a team. The Twins are in rebuild mode. The, Indian, the Guardians, whatever you want to call them, they're not that good. There's a lot of lackluster teams in the American League. So over the course of 162, you're going to stockpile your wins. But do you really have them on the same level as a team like Toronto, who's gotten better and better and better, and now they're finally ready to win? And Tampa Bay, who finds a way every single year. And the Red Sox, who made it to the ALCS, and they were in rebuild mode last year when they made it to the ALCS. And now they're rumored to be in on the Freeman sweepstakes. They're rumored to be in on Suzuki. These teams are all improving. They're all getting better. I just don't see what the Yankees have done. I mean, you got all these te- all these rumors, all these juicy signings, all these juicy trades. Yankees have signed Tim LoCastro and traded for a 36-year-old Josh Donaldson. That doesn't that doesn't do it for me. And a lot of Yankee fans, you know, normally if we say something bad about the Yankees, the Yankee fans will, will come in the Yankees' defense and argue with you. Like I said b- 
but to you before, Rob, when I first opened this segment up, I've texted with, I, I, I'm severely outnumbered when it comes to my friend group. I got a group chat, 24 of my friends in it. I think three of us are Met fans, the other 21 are Yankee fans. It's not one of them that I've heard from that likes this trade. None of them. I'm reading all throughout Twitter, reading all the boards. Everyone is ripping this trade to shreds. People are already calling for Cashman to step down or for them to fire him. Like, nobody likes this trade. So, it's not coming from a biased viewpoint here. Just doesn't move the needle for me. And like I yeah. said, listen, if they make another move, I'll be remissed. I'll get on this podcast next week if they make the move that I think is beneficial for them, and I'll take everything back. But on the surface right now, and well, judging by the way they've it, operated in the past, right. I don't like we gotta it. Look at it. we got to look at it the way it is today, present day. We don't know what's going to happen, you know. A right. week from now, we could be changing our tune and say, well, the Yankees went back to being the Yankee way. They signed Freeman. You know, look, I, I, I just feel like – I honestly feel like they, they almost want to reset this roster, but, but not go through any sort of a, a rebuild or anything like that, almost like a restructure of the roster. This roster has not worked. It has not gotten them anything. All right, you got to the playoffs, but that's it. You're limited as what you could do with this roster. And I think that's part of the problem. So they're kind of stuck in the middle. But they did take on this Donaldson contract. That's a hell of a contract to take on. I mean, is Josh Donaldson the difference between you going to a World Series? I mean, this is the guy that's got a ton of calf injuries every single year. He's missing 25 games, 30 games. He's injury prone. So... I, I just, at 36, 37 years old, Josh Donaldson, to me, is not moving the needle. He's just not. All right, kind of Philippe is a nice little pickup. That's why he, the guy was a catcher a few years ago. Now, all of a sudden, he, he, he's, a, he's a short something. The Yankees had to have. It was almost like they had to have him. All right, he's got a good glove. That's what he is. But the guy is 220. He's not a bat in the lineup. I, I mean, they better hope that Torres comes around this year. Because Torres is critical to them. He cannot have a a, a, a Gleyber Torres year like he had last year. You know what? That you, can't happen. You look at the lineup at the surface, and we always talk about the right-handed heaviness, but I think the Yankees, quite honestly, have the same problem that the Mets have had over the past couple of years. And that's, they have so many guys in the lineup that are just easy to pitch to. Yeah. Easy to pitch to. Like such glaring weaknesses in a certain player's swing that they're just so easy to pitch to. You throw that slider low and away to Stanton, that's it. Donaldson, I mean, you get any sort of high-velocity pitcher, if he throws 97 and above, you just attack Donaldson at the letters, he's not catching up to it, especially not at his age now. No, no, he's definitely I mean, after, not. after his comments he's about not. Garrett Cole, that very next week he faced Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole just threw him straight cheddar up in the strike zone. Donaldson whiffed at every pitch. Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo can't hit anything. I mean, if he makes contact, oh, it's going other, a thousand I mean, feet, but he makes contact 35 yeah, times a year. Yeah, when he makes again, contact, it goes over the fence. And, and that's another problem. You got, I mean, I don't understand Joey Gallo. My God, the guy hits 190. He hits 190, but he already hits you 35 homers. But come on, he strikes out 240 times. How are you? I, I just, I don't understand how they can construct this lineup. They've constructed this lineup the same way for the last, five, six, seven years, and they, they want to bully the bad teams. That's fine. It's going to get you 85, 90 wins, get you to a wild card, possibly win you the division. But that's all it's getting you to. You are not doing nothing with this lineup. This lineup is just, it's so mishmash. 
it, it, and who you got coming back? Aaron Hicks to play center field too? Is that next? That guy? I mean, think about it. I'm telling you, I look at this roster, Andrew, and I'm saying, man, if they could squeeze 80, 85 wins out of this roster, it would be a miracle. Yeah, I don't care what Yankee fans say. That's probably the way I'm looking at them right now, too. Take up your road as, as an 80, win, 80 to 85 win team. Yeah. If, if they're, yeah. Yeah. No, I know a lot of times the Yankees aren't going to allow that to happen, but at some point it's going to happen. This whole thing is just going to be combustible because, again, Voight, Stanton, Joey Gallo, I mean, kind of Falifa, he doesn't hit. And who are you platooning at catcher? Higashioka, who was okay when he had a spot start for Sanchez, but Higashioka and this other guy, this muscle head over there that got in, in that Minnesota deal. He hits a buck 40, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. you know, you're not ha- – that lineup that used to be able to be stretched out one to nine in the Yankee lineup no longer stretched out. Because now after four or five, what do you got? What do you got? They're going to get dominated and, in the and- bottom of that. And the one, the one player who brings a different element to the table is coming off an extremely down year, and that's DJ LeMahieu. The one guy who you know consistently is putting bat to ball is coming off a very bad year. Now, I'm not and, saying he's done, he's washed, nothing of no, that. But, maybe but your that's confidence, now. But your maybe confidence that's level him. of DJ going into this year is not nearly the same as it was going into last year. Right, but maybe that's him. Look, the year that he had for the Yankees when he first got there, nobody, nobody expected that. Nobody did. Nobody was expecting that. And then he kind of leveled off. I don't think he's as bad as he was last year, but he's not as good as when he first got there. Maybe somewhere in the middle, which I guess the Yankees will sign up for, but here's a guy that's going to swing around the infield pretty much for the most part. He's going to swing around the infield. I mean, to me, I would just play him at first base. You don't need Luke Voigt in the lineup every single day. You just don't. You got enough strikeouts in that lineup. You got enough home runs. You got to get a guy that at least could slash the ball here and there in DJ, in DJ LeMayu. So I, I just don't know. But look, there's still so many guys out there, too, man. I mean, man, the free agents that are out there right now, it's just no movement. I mean, we said this last week, Andrew, with Korea. We'll start with him first. We were trying to find a marker for him. I came up with the Cubs. It's the only one that would make sense would be the Cubs. They have the money. They have the need but it doesn't look like the Cubs are going after Korea. So now you're hearing today that might be the Astros coming back with an offer, but on a shorter term, not so much the longer term that he's looking for. But we told, we, we were talking about this last week, Andrew, where's he getting that money from? Seager got the 325 early from the Texas Rangers. That kind of set the market. Korea's not getting that money. He's not getting that. I mean, the only thing I could see it happening is maybe the Astros. I, I mean, but, then again, if you're Korea, why would you want to show? Why would you want to sign a three-year, four-year deal? You don't want to do that. You come back and sign a one-year deal and yeah. take a chance at the market next yeah. year again. And that's why I think he's holding steady because Seager got three to ten for three twenty-five. I mean, that's, Seager yeah. and Correa aren't even in the same conversation as far as no, I'm concerned. No, not Korea even close. Much better than Seager. Much better. It's not even close. Yeah. So, so if he gets a one-year deal from the Astros, it's going to be a one-year thirty-five million dollar deal probably. And that's the problem when some of these guys sign early because, like you said, it sets the market. I mean, we'll get into this conversation later with football, but like Christian Kirk, right? He signs for $21 million. Now, all of a sudden, the wide receiver market is set. Known wide receivers have signed since then. That's what happens. You get a guy that's that signs for big money as soon as free agency opens. The rest of that position group is stagnant because they all feel like they're worth that same that's amount all, of money. And that's what's happening. And that, Look, Trevor Story is going to be sitting out there 
Yeah. He's going to, he's going to wind up taking a one-year deal from somebody. And maybe the Yankees are playing the market right now. Maybe the Yankees are saying, Hey, listen, if we can get story of career on a one-year deal over here, then let's do that. I don't, I don't know if I foresee them soon that I, I could see them doing that with story. I don't know if I see them doing that with Korea. So a story will get a little less money. I don't see stories not need to me. He's not in that. He's probably borderline at 25 million. I don't is see he, him going ab- above that. Is he a Boris guy story? I know Korea. I don't, is. I don't think he is. I don't see, think now, he I, is. I read something interesting about Korea too, because it's some like weird kind of thing, but they started negotiating before the lockout Correa and he had offers on the table from other teams. And then during the lockout, he switched representation and switched over to Scott Boris. And from what I read, he could, the previous, uh, his previous agency, his previous representation could claim their percentage of whatever contract he signs. So Boris may resort to getting Correa a one-year deal this time around, re-enter free agency next year, and finally get his long-term deal so Boris can get the full percentage of it. So maybe there is a one-year suitor out there for him. And I tell you what, I think that would open up the suitors. If if Boris went out and said, okay, he's signing for one year, and that's it. He's not getting a long-term deal. We're looking for a one-year deal. I guarantee it. It'd probably be about 15 teams that come knocking to give him a one-year deal. Then I think you see the Phillies might make a push. Cubs might make a push. Astros will try to bring them back. I think the Yankees, part of the reason the Yankees are kind of on the back burner in the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes is because they're unwilling to give the years. That was the big holdup with the Garrett Cole thing for the longest time too until they finally suckered up and gave the nine years. If you don't have to commit to the years, I think they become serious players for Correa. Heck, if it's a one-year deal, you said it last week, you can't preclude Steve Cohen from anything with the amount of money he has. Well, you, you can see him making a one-year push for a guy. There's tons going, of suitors. That was going to be my next point. I, I, I don't foresee it being one of these shortstops. I, I mean, look, Freddie Freeman has a market. He's going to get his six years, Freddie Freeman. He's got a lot of suitors out there. And I think Freddie Freeman is kind of just weighing his options at this point right now. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe Cone does swoop in and grab Freddie Freeman. What the hell? You can't put anything past him, but... You know, you got other guys out there as well. You look at Nick Castellanos. I mean, look at him. That's a big bat right there. It's a big right-handed bat. I, do we see a mark for Castellanos in a multi-year deal? I don't know at this point right now. There might not be. He could be the type of guy that signs a one-year deal. One-year, $20 million deal, maybe. You know, he could be that sort of guy that the Mets will say, hey, listen, one-year, $20 millions, we'll grab him. So you don't know. I mean, I think this kind of this market now I could see slowing down now a little bit, Andrew. I don't know. I could kind of see it slowing down and I could see trades coming into play now because I think as far as the free agents, nobody knows where they're going to go with the multi-year deals and the monies that might be involved. So you might now now start seeing trades open up even more than what we've seen already. I I mean, Chris Bryant. What about Chris Bryant? He's been rumored to go to the Giants, rumored to go to the Mariners, who just made the trade for Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez with the Reds and their salary dump off, and the Reds are dumping off. Uh, so I don't see him going there now. You talk about the Colorado Rockies were interested in Chris Bryant. They were going hard after him, which makes no sense whatsoever. Zero. After you after you dump Trevor Story and, and, uh, and Arenado, and Nolan Arenado, that doesn't make sense there. So now where is Chris Bryant going? He's another guy. He's another guy. 
you know, it's kind of quiet out there with Chris Bryant. You don't see anybody going hard after him. Could he be a guy settling for a one-year deal as well? And maybe the Mets are kind of just playing coy right now, looking to see where the market goes and trying to steal one of these guys on a one-year deal. You can't, you can't rule it out. You can't no. rule it out. That's what I'm saying. With the financial flexibility, you can't rule anything out. And the luxury tax penalties are harsh for repeat offenders. And that's why you can't preclude Steve Cohen from spending a boatload of money on short-term commitments. Because if he could be at a $350 million payroll this year, as long as they're short-term commitments and that money's coming off the books next year, he really right. doesn't have any harsh penalties to worry about. No, no. So that, that opens the door for him. One thing I was going to point out, and Mika scores to make a two-to-one Rangers. That was a rocket. Um, Kyrie Irving has 40 points. And there is three minutes left in the second quarter. Wow. Shooting 14 of 17. Going off. He's on fire. But, so. Well, look, I mean, this free agency is going to be interesting because there's a lot of big names out there still. There really is. There's a lot of big names. We mentioned a few of them already. And these are major names. These aren't guys that are just mid-level sort of talent. No, yeah, these are, these are significant contributors wherever significant, they land. Significant. Well, there's certainly a lot to look forward to. And, you know, spring training kicks off. I believe the exhibition games start tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, I'm sure as we get closer and closer to opening day, these dominoes will start to fall. These guys are going to find home somewhere. So we'll, we'll continue to, to break that stuff down as we and, move and, along. And, you know, we have, to, we have to also mention the fact that the Padres, once again, with Fernando Tatis, who's been Oof. injury prone, his, you know, since he stepped foot into the major leagues. Yep. This guy's had so many injuries between – Shoulder injuries, and now uh, supposedly a broken wrist from a fall in a motorcycle accident back in December. So, you know, you see a, a, a wrist injury to a hitter of his ability. I, look, this could affect him probably the entire season. Because even if he comes back in July, August, you know, you always get that inevitable wrist soreness problem coming off a fractured wrist. The wrist being so uh, important to a hitter's ability. Um, so that was a devastating injury to the Padres. It really, really was. This is a team that spent a lot of a boatload of money last year to improve their roster, and really, they got screwed because they wound up in a division with the Dodgers and the Giants. And I don't foresee the Giants being a hundred-win team again. I really don't. I just don't. I mean, you never know, but I don't see that happening again because a lot of things went right for him. But you know, so the Padres suffered a. Uh, uh, that was a big injury for them. And look, they're looking to add, you know, bats also. And they, they evidently are looking at Freeman. But, you know, they got that contract of Eric Cosby. He's got another four years left on it. Mm -hmm. and, and Will Myers as well. They're looking to unload those guys. You're not giving Eric Hosmer unless you're putting Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, or one of your top prospects in, in a deal with him to take on that contract. 100%. That's the only way you're getting rid of that. It, it, that's that's it. So they might have to suck it up and trade a couple of them. And they have a wonderful farm system, the Padres. They really, really do. So, but you know, they got to clear some space because they're in trouble without Tatis. There, they really are. Have a good team, but without Tatis, it's you know that kid's all world. But again, been injury prone. It's he's been injury prone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a problem too. And the uh, the most jarring part about it was when they asked him if that injury came from a motorcycle accident, 
and his response was, which one? Well, look, you know, now here's here's the question. Did it happen during a lockout or did did. it happen pre-lockout? It, if it, it happened, happened during a lockout, it's he's kind of in the clear on that. Well, it happened during a lockout, and he never saw a doctor about it because if you remember what ha- – he was advised apparently by his agent from what I read not to go to a doctor because if you remember correctly, Jacoby Ellsbury got the final year of his contract voided because he followed treatments and got recommendations from outside doctors that were not affiliated with the team. So rather than go to a doctor and undergo treatment, they just decided to just keep quiet about it. They obviously couldn't have any sort of dialogue with the team because of the lockout. And they waited three months until the lockout was lifted and then alerted team doctors. And a lot of this could have been avoided if it was addressed sooner, but that's the route that they chose. So, right. yep. you know, it, it's a weird situation. So, yeah, but that's a bad situation. He's got to smarten up. And they now let me tell you something. Let me ask you a question here. And obviously, you never hear this publicly. And he's obviously a world of talent. I, I think he's got the capability. And he certainly is already a top five player in the game. Has the capability of being the bona fide number one. But do you think A.J. Preller, when he goes home, has some sort of regret for committing that 13-year contract when he did and not letting it play out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look. I'm not denying Tatis's talent. Nobody is. But with the way yeah. this has gone, I mean, he's had back issues. The shoulder keeps popping out of place. Now a broken wrist from a motorcycle accident. And the kid's, what, 24? Yeah, he's had a lot of injuries. He, he's had a lot. He's certainly had a lot. So, yeah, there could be some regrets, but this is a chance you take. With a, with a talent level like that, yeah. With a talent level like that, you know, you could understand the Padres thinking, giving him that sort of deal where you're buying out all his arbitration and free agent years, for the most part, you're buying out, what, seven years of free agency. So you're saving yourself money on that end of it. But if this kid becomes injury prone as he is, and his ability to stay on the field is what it's been the past couple of seasons now. It's yeah, you have regrets, but... Look at the Yankees. It's a cautionary... Ta- and obviously, none of the players that I'm about to mention are anywhere on the same stratosphere as Fernando Tatis. But look what the Yankees did. Two players they bought out their arbitration, Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino. Both of those guys have not played, period, since they bought out their arbitration years. Paying Severino $20 million a year, he hasn't pitched. Paying Aaron Hicks $10 million a year, he hasn't played. And when he has played, he hasn't been very good. So it's a cautionary tale when you buy out these arbitration years. Not everything turns out the way Ozzy Albies has, where they're paying him pennies on the dollar and he's a perennial all-star. Same thing with Acuna. But even Acuna, I mean, he tore his ACL. Do I think he'll bounce back for sure? But when these players are so young, it's just you never know what can happen. But like you said, it's the chance you take when yeah. it's a player that's that talented. You know, it, you want to save yourself money in the long run. Hopefully, that's the gamble that these these general managers are are willing to take. All right, we we spoke enough about baseball. It's time to get into football because football, as always, dominates the news cycle 24-7. No shortage of it. I mean, you had big-time dominoes falling in the MLB, and people were focused on it for 30 seconds before another big story broke in the NFL. So we'll get into all this stuff. Giants, once again, um, pretty active in free agency. No big-time sexy acquisitions, but have made some moves considering the cap situation that they're in, which we knew that they would find a way to do. They did the same thing last year. They were up against it. They find a way to structure deals to make stuff happen, but they made a couple of really good additions in my opinion. Number one, and this was the most recent one that happened right before we got on the air. They signed Tyrod Taylor two years, 17 million. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, Rob, you get what you pay for in terms of the backup quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is not all that. 
I don't think he's an everyday starter that can carry a team, but he's been thrown every single situation you could possibly think of. And he's been able to handle it professionally. He's a good mentor. He's been around the block. He's a seasoned veteran. I think he could be good. He could even push Daniel Jones. Number two, they make two really good signings on the offensive line. Feliciano from Buffalo was sort of a cap casualty. They bring him in. He reunites with Shane and Dable, who he has a relationship with. And they signed Mark Lewinsky from the Indianapolis Colts, which, which I didn't know, but our buddy Tommy pointed it out to us in text yesterday. The Colts were even thinking about franchise tagging Lewinsky because he was yeah. that good on that offensive he was that line. Good alongside Quentin Nelson. We obviously know Jonathan Taylor, the incredible year that he had. Lewinsky was open and holds on an offensive line all year long. So Shane and company have addressed up front, try to get some protection there for Daniel Jones. Lewinsky is a terrific run blocker as well. So now the onus is on, he'll open the holes. Now the onus is on Saquon Barkley to, as I said yesterday to you, Rob, run through those holes instead of running to the right of those holes. The onus is on him if he's still on the roster. But so far, I mean, there's limited maneuverability with what they can do cap-wise, but they've addressed what's wrong with this team, and I think they've made some some pretty solid signings. Is it taking this team to the playoffs? No, absolutely not, but it, it's making them better in key areas where they needed to improve. Well, absolutely, and now you have to see what's going to happen with uh, James Bradbury here, but you know, going back to the Tyrod Taylor signing, I liked it. I, I, you know, We spoke about it, and obviously we'll, we'll go into, into it a little, a little bit later with some of the moves that your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers made. They brought in Trubisky, and I really wanted Trubisky myself, but I understood the contract when you looked at it two years, 17 million, but you're getting a bona fide backup in Tyrod Taylor. You're getting a pro, you're getting a guy that's great in the locker room. You got a guy that knows his role and can step in at any time. But more than anything, Andrew, an eight, eight and a half million of his contract is guaranteed. You're getting a guy that more than likely Daniel Jones is not on his roster next year. He can be a stopgap for you. With, you, draft, with, you draft someone who needs a year. Right. Taylor, yep. Someone who, who needs a year. Tyrod Taylor be 100%. that stopgap for you because 100%. more than likely that's what's going to happen here with the Giants in this scenario. They're not going after Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I was texting you guys early today and, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think it's foolhardy that the Giants don't get involved in it. John Mara's got to get his head out of his ass and he's got to understand that this is no longer, you know, the, the Super Bowl winning teams that the Giants had in the past. It's not about the defenses. It's not about, you know, hardcore running games as much as we all love that, myself included. This is the new NFL. You got to have a quarterback. I always told you, you got to build from the inside out, you know, from the offensive line, defensive line and out. Yeah, you could say that still holds true. But nowadays, you got to have a quarterback to succeed and to win in this NFL. That's just the way it is. Because if you don't put points on the board and everybody's putting points on the board, you have no chance of winning anymore. You don't have any success whatsoever. So, I think it's foolhardy that the Giants don't get involved in this because, uh, again, it doesn't mean that they, they would be able to get him. They have the draft capital. I don't know what else you know the Texans would, have, would need besides that. But I think the Giants got to stop looking for the next Eli Manning and just look for the next best quarterback they could possibly get. A guy like Deshaun Watson does not, does not become available at his age with his talent very often. It's very very, very rare. And the Giants should have did their due diligence here. And Marin needs to stop. It, listen, it's like I told you guys the other day. If he thinks he has 80 choir boys on his team, he's a fool. So, look, there's no doubt whatever Deshaun Watson did, he did, but it's cleared. That's it. There's no criminal charges. So you can't, you, 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 you can't form you know, your own opinion on the guy and say that he's guilty of something. Yeah, you could say that, but he's not. 
So and it and it's the ultimate level of hypocrisy too, because you got guys who beat the piss out of their wives. If they go no out doubt. there and complete 65% of their passes, everybody forgets about it. Everybody so, cheers them. Right, right. Kareem Hunt, look what he did. He's still out there. People are cheering for him. Nobody remembers that. Nobody, uh, nobody remembers it. Joe Mixon played in the Super Bowl, punched the lights out of some girl when he was in college. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look what he did. That's on video. He got drafted in the second round. Is anybody talking about Joe Mixon? Anybody talking about him in the Super Bowl or or or, or the or the season that he had? Did anybody bring that up? Oh, Joe Mixon, a guy that punched out that girl. Nobody even brings it up. If you win and you play well, nobody says a word. And John Mara needs to get that. Get over the Josh Brown incident. We understand what happened there. It was a mistake. You cleared it. It's done. It's over. They needed to do their due diligence here and just have a conversation with Deshaun Watson and his camp. They should have done that. I'm sorry. They really should have. But I, I don't think they're going to do it anyway. But, yes, you're correct. The, the two offensive linemen they signed, it is an improvement over what they had there. Feliciano will be moving to center. Glowinski is the guard, so they have that there. They have Andrew Thomas now probably in the draft, more than likely at five. One of those tackles are probably going to drop to them. Um, and they'll have their bookend tackles for a few years. And, and it'll solidify that offensive line a bit, I would have to think. Mm-hmm. I think it would kind of steady it. They'll probably draft another center and a guard, third, fourth round, somewhere along the lines. You can find guys of that ilk uh, uh, to start in, in, in the draft at that point. Probably have to draft yourself a, a running back. Running backs are deep here. They're not top heavy, but they're very deep. And there's some talent level on that. You know, a running backs going 10, 12 deep with talent there. So the Giants need to draft themselves a running back here. Enough for Barkley. I still think they're going to trade Barkley. I still think it's going to happen. It might happen closer to the draft than it will now. But I still think that guy's not going to be on this roster for some reason. Why, Andrew? I just kind of feel that way. Uh, as far as the Jets, the Jets have used utilized their resources pretty well. And I tell you what, uh, you know, an excellent sign it was Lake and Tomlin, uh, Tomlinson, the uh, the guard from, from San Francisco. I thought it was an excellent, excellent signing for them. Kind of solidified their offensive line there. If they can get Becton to lose some of the weight and come back healthy, along with Elijah Vera Tucker, who they drafted last year, and now at Lake and Tomlinson there, they also picked up C.J. Ozuma, who's a solid, solid tight end, which the Jets have not had in years. Jets haven't had a tight end in years. Um, so he'll, he'll certainly help them out. They made a couple of uh, – they brought in a couple of defensive players. They signed in free agency as well to help solidify that defense, the defense that Robert Salah wants to run. So Jets have done a good job themselves, and now they need to get some weapons for, for Zach Wilson. That's what's lacking here. they got to get a couple of more weapons. They re-signed Braxton Berrios, their slot receiver, their all-pro kick returner. That was a good deal for them. They brought him in on a two-year deal. I think it was $8 million or $6 million. Wasn't breaking the bank on Berrios, so he's a solid little kid, a solid little player. Um, so Jets have done a solid job, but again, they got to bring in some more weapons for, uh, for, for Zach Wilson here. Um, you know what look, I think? I think is a, is a big-time target for them, which should be. I don't know if there's any been any rumored interest, but I, I would bring in Allen Robinson. That would be the guy, I think, to really try to take this offense to the next level. You, you need that go-to guy that can create separation and that can catch a 50-50 ball. Like you said, Braxton Berrios, he's a nice little receiver. He developed a nice chemistry with Zach Wilson last year. So you got to bring him back, right? Cheap little deal, has chemistry with Wilson, makes your quarterback, your young quarterback, comfortable that you're investing your future in. Fine, bring him back. Corey Davis, nice little receiver. Had a pretty good season before the injury, right? 
And who's uh, who's the other kid whose name is uh, escaping me? Elijah Moore. Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore before he got hurt looked a little promising. But none of these guys. He actually are like, looked very. Good. Elijah Moore looked very, very good. He looked very good. But none of these guys, good. I think, I think strike me as a type who can, who can not take over a game, but like are the type of guys that defenses really have to game plan against. Al Robinson is that type of game that you need to try to take him out of the game because he's that physical of receiver, that talented of a receiver. That I think would kind of take this offense over to the next level, as far as long as Wilson is able to improve. And I think that's a big step in helping him improve. I mean, I think Tomlinson was a terrific signing. You got to solidify the interior of that offensive line. He was a highly sought after lineman. Very good move. Whitehead, solidify the back end. They weren't going to spend that type of money on Marcus Williams. I know there was interest. Marcus Williams got a big time deal with the Baltimore Ravens. I just, I'm weary and I'm scared myself as a Steelers fan. Uh, if they end up coming to terms with Minka Fitzpatrick on an extension, which they're looking to do, because I'm just weary about paying a safety that much money. And they weren't going to do that with Williams. And they pivoted to Whitehead, obviously. I think that's a good move, too. But, again, we got to see what happens in this draft, and then it all hinges on the quarterback. I mean, they made some – I kind of think they're going to get their wide receiver in a draft. And maybe even at – even at uh, what are they they're picking five and ten? They're picking ten – yeah, t- number ten. Maybe they take the, like the kid like Olaf from Ohio State. You know, there's some there's some wonderful talent there, but there's also talent on the back end of it too. You could probably grab in the second round as well. I don't know if they want to go there, but they might want to draft maybe the best wide receiver available at that point. Um, and there's a few of them there. But look, Allen Robinson does make perfect sense for a team like the Jets because they need a veteran wide receiver for Zach Wilson. They really, really do. Guy that can, you know, he's he's a savvy route runner, Allen Robinson. He's had some tremendous years with the Bears. I don't know what happened with him last year with the Bears, to be honest with you. They weren't even getting him the ball. Or uh, even, like or even looking his way. He wasn't even targeting. They were establishing Mooney more than anything, and I think they were more pissed off about the fact that, you know, they couldn't sign Allen Robinson, and Allen Robinson was giving him a problem on the franchise tag and so on and so forth. So I think they kind of just wrote him out of the game plan altogether. But Allen Robinson would be a good signing from that, I'll be honest with you, because I, I really feel – and I'll tell you the truth, there was another guy too, and he, he actually signed in a surprising place, and that was DJ Chalk. Young receiver, 25 years old, who was, I believe, was a first-round pick uh, the Jaguars had taken him. DJ Chalk was a, he was a terrific, he had a terrific rookie season. Last year, he was injured, but he's the type of guy that, you know what, in the right system, at, at the age of 25, you're getting a young wide receiver that's really just coming into his own a little bit here. He would have been another guy, but yeah, Allen Robinson could fit the bill for the Jets for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, like I said, it all hinges on the quarterback, though, because if you remember correctly, uh, that 2019 offseason, Jets were really active. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. They brought in C.J. Mosley. They were making moves, but Darnold fell flat on his face. They weren't competitive, and obviously Mosley got hurt. And Bell never panned out. And Gates was, you know, it was a lot of other factors, too. The quarterback didn't show up and didn't play that well. So you can make all these moves that you want, and it looks good on paper, but like you said before, we've been saying it over and over again. It all starts and all ends with the quarterback in today's era of the NFL. And yeah, Zach Wilson showed promise second half of last year, wasn't turning the ball over, but let's not to get too far ahead of ourselves either because he also wasn't putting a lot of points on the board. I mean, they were still averaging 18 points per game over the last seven weeks of the season. He wasn't turning the ball over that much, only threw two picks in those last six games. But he also only threw five touchdowns. They weren't able to punch the ball in, get into the end zone that often. And he kind of completely shut down. He had a really good first half again in a game against Tampa. They slowed down at the end, let the game slip away from them. So 
there's still immense strides that need to be taken by him before I consider the Jets to be that competitive of a team. But they have a good start where they can at least control what they can control, and that's bringing in the talent to kind of fill out the roster. And they've they've done a good job so far. I actually read something where out of the 46 offensive rookies that were rated, and I forgot the, the rating scale, how they rated them, but Zach Wilson was 45. He had, you know what, and, and that could be kind of skewed by the fact that he had two or three games that were just beyond god-awful. Um, I mean, what, he had that one game that he threw five picks against the Patriots that one game? It was just it was a god-awful performance. He had another bad game. The last game of the season against Buffalo was not a good performance either. So you had a couple doozies in there, but he had a, a couple games where you, you at least saw the talent level of why a guy like that went second overall. Again, year two is you got to see a consistent leap. Now you got to see him put it together on a more consistent basis. You need to see a number of weeks where he puts together games from beginning and end. I've said it before about Sam Darnold. The biggest thing with him is I, I never, not once in his entire Jets tenure, do I think I ever remember seeing him playing a complete game from beginning to end. And I don't even know if I remember Daniel Jones doing that besides his first ever game against Tampa. I mean, he played a real good game against Washington last year. Besides that, I mean, there's not a lot of games that come to mind where he played consistently good from the opening coin toss until the clock hit zero. So you need to see that on a more consistent basis. And, you know, getting a wide receiver would certainly help that. Signing Tomlinson in free agency certainly helps that. Getting a guy to man up on the back end of the defense can help get more get the ball in your offense's possession more often. So good deals. But, you know, like I said, Everything looks good on paper. I'm sure everybody who signed one or two guys in free agency is looking at themselves saying, wow, we got a lot better. And ultimately, when you get on the field, that'll be the telltale Look, sign. Everybody thought team. the Giants got a lot better. With all the free agent signings that they had, it, sometimes it doesn't work out. And the Giants still have to trade, you know, or try and trade uh, James Bradbury. And it seems like, I don't know if there's a market for him because now you look, you know, pretty much all the teams that needed a cornerback signed a cornerback in free agency already. The only team left out there is the Oakland Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm sorry. And they're looking at uh, Stephon Gilmore right now. So if they sign Stephon Gilmore, the Giants are screwed right now with Bradbury. And who knows? Maybe they uh, – look, maybe they extend this contract that Bradbury wants to, and they kind of try and maybe uh, open up some cap space, more cap space that way, and still keep Bradbury. I'm sure Martin there would love to keep Bradbury. You know, a lockdown corner. He's a guy in the last three years has been uh, number two number two cornerback and passes defense in the NFL. So he's been a solid, solid cornerback for them. Um, and and maybe the Giants try and do something that way instead of just giving him up, uh, you know, for nothing, which I'm sure they really don't want to do. So, but we'll see what happens. But you still have made a couple of moves there. And obviously the big move was bringing in a quarterback and Mitch Trubisky at, uh, on a two-year contract. And I, I listen, he, he's the type of quarterback that your boy Matt Canada wants He's a mobile quarterback that's going to be able to run those RPOs as he wants to in Matt Canada. And let's see what happens. Look, I'm high on Trubisky this season. I mean, whether or not he fits into the Steelers system, we'll see. You know, everybody loved the way he looked uh, with Buffalo, whether it be running a practice or not just practice, but some of the preseason games. And, you know, Dable and Shane raved about him, and they were going after him, and it pretty much came down to, from what you hear, came down between the Giants and Steelers, but he wanted a chance to win. And he also wanted to have a number one starting quarterback job and the Pittsburgh Steelers checked both, both boxes there for him. So good. I thought that was an excellent signing for the Steelers. The other big signing I thought might have even been better was the signing of James Daniels. 
because you got yourself a top-notch offensive lineman there. And anybody that watches the Steelers games week in and week out, like myself and like Andrew, his dad, and my family, and look, they needed an offensive lineman in the worst way. And they got a hell of an offensive lineman in James Daniel. That was a great pickup, Andrew. Yeah, you needed an interior lineman. Because Najee Harris is not Saquon Barkley, right? He's not the guy who's going to wow you with his breakaway speed or his uh, elusiveness in open field. He's a physical downhill type runner. You need someone to open up holes in the middle of that line. I think the Daniels signing was terrific. Uh, It's a young offensive line with a lot of upside. Daniels is young too. Uh, They made another signing, Mason Cole. Not going to sit up here on a pedestal and talk a lot about him because I'm not too familiar with him, but I do know he's versatile. He can play guard. He can play center. Uh, and what it looks like right now is that their third round pick from a year ago, Kendra Green, is going to be relegated to the bench. And Green had a rough go of it. He did. Um, you know, they had him at center, moved them to guard, moved them all around. He struggled. He was in his head. He'll get better as time goes on. But they needed to address the offensive line. And for once, the Steelers actually had a, a decent amount of cap space to be able to add free agency. And they did. Um, they also signed a corner, Levi Wallace, who is uh, from Buffalo. You know, obviously playing next to Tredavious White certainly helps. He had some solid years in Buffalo. He's not the number one guy, but they're losing Joe Hayden. Um, So they need to find another number one guy. Levi Wallace is not going to be that. So overall good. With Trubisky, which I think is probably the most important one. I know Daniels is a terrific player, and and that'll get some headlines too. But obviously it starts and ends with the quarterback. Um, To me, listen, I had the pipe dream of Aaron Rodgers deep down. Always knew that wasn't going to happen. I tried to talk myself into the fact that it was going to happen, but we knew it wasn't going to happen. I didn't want Carson Wentz. I was never really too keen on Garoppolo. Pipe dream that maybe they'd be interested in Deshaun Watson. Doesn't look like ownership even gave the okay to go and pursue Deshaun Watson, although there was interest. It's being reported that there was interest among the coaching staff. Um, Trubisky doesn't move the needle for me. He doesn't. I know he's a guy that has upside. He's a former number two pick. Everything you read, everything you hear is that the Buffalo coaching staff loved him. And I'll always defer to our boy Tommy because he knows his shit and he's, he's great with it when it comes to evaluating talent. He watched Trubisky every snap of the preseason, every snap he got late in games when Allen was put on the bench. And he said Trubisky looked like another, a, a totally different quarterback. So I'll, 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 I'll trust his judgment and I'll give some hope and I'll root on Trubisky. Obviously not root for the guy to fail. I mean, he's better than what they had on their roster. And they were in a, a pretty bad spot with if they started Mason Rudolph, I still think the team was was good enough to win like seven seven games maybe. And that's not the position you want to be in if you're looking for an early pick in a draft to, to draft your next heir apparent at quarterback. So no. they needed to make a move to get better than what they had in that room. And I think Trubisky is, is undoubtedly better than Mason Rudolph. Uh, and like you said before, with Canada's system, he's always wanted a mobile quarterback. Look – the big thing we hear all the time about Canada's philosophy is that he likes the short game, he likes the mobile quarterback, likes to run RPOs, and that he couldn't run his offense to its full potential with Ben Roethlisberger because Ben had never run that type of offense before. But at the end of the day, we've also never seen Matt Canada run an offense anywhere that had a, a, a big-time level of success. I mean, he was Pitt's offensive coordinator and had one good year with Nathan Peterman running the show against a bunch of shit ACC defenses. So I'm not totally sold that his system can work at the NFL level either, but at least get a quarterback in there and I can run what you want to run. And then we'll be able to make a definitive uh, analysis on whether or not he can be the offensive coordinator. So, you know, at least because gives me something to be excited about seeing a new quarterback. It's a new era. 
now it's finally sunk in that Ben's gone, and, and let's see what Trubisky can bring I just to the think, table. I just think he was thrown to the Wolves way too early in his Bears career. This was a kid drafted out of college that really didn't play a lot of games, Andrew. Well, I'll give Trubisky a fair warning, too, and I'm tapped in with all of the, the Steelers fan base on social media. I'd say it's probably 80-20 in terms of the percentage of the fan base that hates the signing. 80% hates it. 20% really? is okay with it. So really? he's in for a rude awakening if he gets well, off what to did a they, slow what, start. What did they want? What did they want instead of Trubisky? Was there something else out there that they wanted? I mean, what else was there? Haven't gotten an answer. Haven't gotten an answer. It's just it's, you know you got you got to you just can't condemn the signing and not have an alternative answer because the alternative answer is not Mason Rudolph nor Dwayne Haskins. That's for shit sure. I tell you what, you'd be amazed at how many people are enamored, enamored with James Mason Winston, Rudolph with James, James Winston. Winston, enamored with James Winston. I, I'm mind boggled by it. A lot of guys wanted him. Obviously, a lot of people wanted Rodgers and Watson, just like me. But we're kind of kind of knew that that was never really going to happen. Um, some people wanted Jimmy G, but like I said, the, the overwhelming majority of the fan base, I haven't gotten an answer from as to who they thought was a better option than Trubisky. A lot of people just blindly hating it and are just, I mean, you had to see the vitriol in the comment sections of what the Steelers writers were posting and everything. So all I'm saying is that if, if, if Trubisky gets off to a slow start, he's going to hear it from the fan base. I'm, I'm calling it right now because the, the, the hate I saw on social media for the signing was, was a little alarming to me. Really? So. That's, that's why. Well, listen, those guys did not fit the system that Matt Canada wants to run, especially Jimmy Garoppolo uh, did not fit that sort of system that he wants to run. They would have had to bring in a totally a different offensive coach. And offensive listen, coordinator. You got to remember something too. It's a big time incentive based contract. They're paying him $7 million a year, $7 million. And it could go up to a $27 million total value if he reaches his incentives. And to reach those incentives where the contract would reach its full value, he would need to make all pro teams and or win a Super Bowl. So you're in a win-win situation. Either Trubisky stinks up the joint, you're only paying him $7 million and you get a premier draft pick, or he turns into Patrick Mahomes overnight and the Steelers win a Super Bowl. It's a win-win. So why are people complaining about it? Yeah, I don't understand the complaints. I thought <laughs> it doesn't it was make sense. I thought it was a very good sign. I thought it was a smart sign. I mean, signing. I'm not, not going to sit here and just completely wax poetic about the guy, but there's no reason to hate it. He's better than what was on the roster. He's a lot better than what was on the roster. And he won. He's won. They were showing the quarterback records from 2018 for the last four years. And Trubisky's fifth in winning percentage with Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, you know, guys like that. So you, I'm not, you know what's, you I'm, know what's I'm, interesting, too? I don't know if you remember this. And so I, I, I never delete text messages. I have text messages on my phone from like 2016. And there's a buddy of mine, John, who we always love keeping receipts because a lot of times he'll say something and then contradict himself a while later. You know, um, like, for instance, I went back in my text messages and I found him. He's a big time Raiders fan. I found a text message from a year ago of him absolutely shitting on J.C. Jackson, saying he was the most overrated cornerback in football. And then I found another text message from, from a week ago of him saying he wanted the Raiders to sign J.C. Jackson so bad. So we love to just take screenshots and try to dunk on people. It's what we do. And I, for shits and giggles, was looking. I typed in Matt Nagy in my, in my search bar and I found conversations. And I don't know if you remember this. But the first game that Mitch Trubisky started, it was a Sunday night game in week one against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And the first drive of the game was probably the best 
opening drive I've ever seen from a team in my 25 years of watching football. And I remember praising Nagy. I have text messages of myself praising Nagy in that offense. It was innovative. There was a lot of motion. There was cool concepts. Trubisky looked unbelievable. And I don't know what happened to Nagy after that because, I mean, he was hands down the worst coach in football. His offense made no sense after that. But, I mean, it at least gives me hope that, hey, if you have an offense that can suit his strengths, there's something there because we've seen it. We saw it in Chicago. It might have been for a short time. And let's not forget, too, I mean, Trubisky was benched after the Bears started out 3-0. and They were 3-0, and and they still opted to bench him for whatever reason, go to Nick Foles, and the season fell apart. So there's something there. He's won. He was dealt a tough hand. He didn't do himself any favors either because he did play extremely poorly at times. But at the end of the day, and I said this in a text, guy, text thread with you guys the other day, you could do a lot worse than Mitch Trubisky. You can do a hell of a lot worse than him. So Absolutely. for a team that wasn't willing to give up an immense amount of draft capital, wasn't willing to go out there and sign someone for $40 million, don't have a high enough pick to draft who they might think is their top quarterback in the upcoming draft. This was a smart, savvy signing, low risk, high reward. I'm fine with it. Let's see what happens. It doesn't preclude them from still drafting a quarterback if someone is there at 20. If Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis two guys that they supposedly have interest in. If they're on the board at 20, you can't put it past them that maybe they still select them and have them sit on the bench for a year. I kind of want to move on to the Colts right now because I, that's going to be an interesting scenario with the Colts. And, and that's the fact that, first of all, they have $70 million or $80 million, I think, in cap space and have done absolutely nothing in free agency. Haven't done a thing. Nothing. Secondly, you know, I'm wondering – with the rumors of Deshaun Watson now, supposedly Falcons showing interest in him, you got to figure they'd have to trade Matt Ryan. I wonder if that's a spot where Matt Ryan, much like, you know, Philip Rivers at the back end of his career, wound up with the Colts. I wonder if Matt Ryan would be an option for the Colts besides, you know, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, who everybody's talked about going there as well. You got to wonder what exactly the Colts, you got to wonder what they're doing. And again, you know, Jimmy G's no automatic, uh, uh, automatic option with, with coming off the, the shoulder surgery. You know, do the Colts want to go into a season with such a big question mark or into, into, into training camp with such a big question mark at quarterback coming off this shoulder surgery of Jimmy Garoppolo? You just never know how that can go. So it's an interesting scenario here, Andrew. It really, really is with the Colts. I'm looking at them today. I'm saying, man, what the hell have they done? They've got $80 million in cash space. They haven't utilized it. Yeah, they haven't done anything. It's they very, done very anything. surprising. Very surprising. It's, and you got to wonder, what are you going to do for a quarterback? you got talent on both sides of the ball. you got top 10 talent on both sides of the ball. And yet, Sam Ellinger is, is right now your option at quarterback? I, I tell you, they better start doing something soon. I mean, I know teams don't want to show they want to panic. But I tell you, they should have been on a Trubisky, I thought. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Why but not? Su- supposedly, there's some interest in Mariota. But I mean, I guess I could see that a little bit. Mariota, maybe. But does he? I, I don't know if he. I, I'd still. I mean, look, I'd still rather have. I'd still rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Mariota. I would too. But if it comes down to the fact that they're hesitant to do that because of the injury. 
then there's no other quarterback that's available that comes close to being as good as Carson Wentz was. So to me, I think you put aside the fact that you don't think Wentz is that great of a leader and you keep him for the betterment of the team. I think the team is a hell of a lot better off wins and losses wise with Carson Wentz under center with one of these other guys. I mean, Mariota, I think they'd be a 500 team with a guy like that. They've been there and done that with a guy like Brissett, not bringing him back. So there's really no other options. There's really no other options unless they become a surprise player for Watson, but they don't even possess the draft capital to be able to do that either. They gave away their draft capital to the Eagles for Carson Wentz, and now Wentz isn't on the team anymore. So they're in a weird spot. They're in a weird spot. It's a, it's a weird spot here, man. And unless they sign Jameis Winston, maybe they sign Jameis Winston. Got to control the ball down the field, but he's also susceptible to mistakes. But if you we have know a run that. game with Jonathan Taylor, you'll be able to right. keep the ball out of his hands for the most part. And I'm reading now that next year the Giants should have around $80 million in cap space. And if they cut Leonard Williams and Kenny Galladay, it'll be another $29 million on top of that. Wow. Well, they would be automatic cuts, I would imagine. That's Yeah, that's it. Joe Shane. Look, Joe Shane's putting his mark on this team. He's putting his mark on this team right now. He has to. Barkley be gone. Daniel Jones will be gone. Anything that the old regime had brought in will be gone. They'll be off this roster. It'll be his team. This is a huge draft for the Giants. They have a lot of draft capital. In fact, the two teams that have rated with the, with the most draft capital are the Jets first, the Giants second. I guess they put a value to all these picks. And they're 1-2 right now. So um, it's next year, look, next year is going to be the year for the Giants. But again, got to get the quarterback. Got to get the quarterback. Yeah, starts and um, ends there for sure. Yeah, uh, look, but we still have, you know, look, we still have some movement now. Look, the first couple of days, you always get that frenzy. Now, all of a sudden, like you said, even with the wide receivers, you're going to see certain guys like Allen Robinson, even a guy like Emmanuel Sanders out there, Jamison Crowder's out there. You got guys of that ilk out there right now. That Look, Christian Kirk set the market. We've we seen that. But do these other guys really... They don't, they're not the sort of guys that command top dollar. Maybe Allen Robinson, maybe. Like I said, like I said, I thought DJ Chalk. What what was DJ Chalk signing anyway? What what was his contract? I think it was one year for 10 million. Oh, what it was a one year deal? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how the Jets were not in on that. I, I don't know how they were not in on that. What did that he guy, have? Was it an just, was it an ACL he's coming off of? Uh I thought it was an was it an ACL? Uh, I know he was injured, but still in a one-year deal, Andrew. Man. Damn. Jeez. Oh, it was a broken ankle. All right, he had a broken ankle. I mean, that's guys recover from that with no problem. He signed in. One-year deal with Detroit. What did he get? $10 million. Man, I tell you. $10 million. Yep. Ah, man. God damn, I tell you. That's a bargain for that guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That guy was excellent two years ago. He was very good. Very good. He was. And who did he have thrown a ball to him? It was Foles when he had a very good year, wasn't it? Foles and Minshew, wasn't it? Foles and Minshew. Yeah, Foles and Minshew. Oh, yeah, because Foles broke his collarbone, right? There's another scenario. There's another scenario. Look, you could offer the Colts a mid-round pick for Minshew. You could offer the Eagles, I mean. What would be wrong with Gardner Minshew as your starting quarterback? That's a possibility for sure. 
you know, I don't know if the Eagles are looking to deal him because maybe they still don't trust Jalen Hurts. But, you know, the, the Eagles gave up a fifth round pick. Somebody offers them a fourth round pick for God to mention you. Well, that's a win. You got your, it's a win for the Eagles right there. And he's a, he's a guy you're not going to be signing next year. He's going to be a free agent. So he's not going to be really playing for you unless Jalen Hurts gets hurt or he really completely bombs out. But he could be a guy that could kind of step in. I, I mean, why not? Minshew has proved he could play in his league. He yeah, could and, play. And he's the, the majority of reps he's gotten was on a team in Jacksonville that was just totally dysfunctional, had no talent on it. And he had some he had some shaky moments. But when he stepped in for Philly last year, he looked new and improved. And I know me and you both have said before that we were not Minshew fans. But seeing him play with Philadelphia last year, he looked like a totally different quarterback. He had a nice little system around him, good position players, had a good tight end, which worked. That connection with Goddard was unreal. So, yes. you know, he could work. You have a good running game. We know the Eagles utilize their running game, too. When they figured out how to utilize it, that's when they started winning games. You put him on Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor. Give him yeah. a little scat back option to throw to dump the ball off to as well. Michael Pittman, who I think is one of those young studs at wide receiver in this league. That wouldn't be a bad move. They got a roster ready to compete. So, and like you said, you've always brought this up. When it came to the Colts potentially dealing for Daniel Jones, you brought up that little proposal last week. But Reich is an easy guy to work with as a quarterback. Quarterback friendly coach. So, yeah, that's a possibility. That's another quarterback that could be out there. Yeah. Then if you're the Eagles, though, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you, you gave up a fifth-round pick for him, you get a fourth-round pick, that's a win. But what's your security option in case Hurts doesn't do it for you? Where do they pivot to? Let's say this year Hurts kind of proves that he's not the guy. Where do you well, that's pivot why, to? That's why I think he's a security blanket for them, Minshew. He's a security blanket. So do you ultimately think at the end of the day they end up hanging on to him, or do you think they – take the win asset wise if they get offered higher than I mean if look if somebody's off if the Colts come to them and they're that desperate the Colts and they offer a third or fourth round pick they might look to look you could you could you could trade him and then sign a veteran backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts saying look again Gardner Minshew is not bringing you to the Super Bowl I don't think I wouldn't think so I don't know if I don't think Jalen Hurts is bringing you to the Super Bowl as well so so if you can get a fourth round pick for him, why not? He's like I said, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year anyway. Uh, it's being reported that they are not in on Deshaun Watson. By the way, the Eagles, right? Well, it's not that they weren't in. He he uh, he didn't want to go there. Really? He, yeah. And that was that was prior to any of this. This was two three months ago. This was around the trading deadline when they were looking to deal him originally the Texans. So that's what Eagles and I, Eagles would be one team right now that would be in on him. But they have I, the I quarterback. Would, I would they think have the that quarterback maybe, that could swing over to the Texans, and they have three first round picks. I would think that maybe his viewpoint on where the Eagles stand as a franchise may be a little bit different now than it was then. Though they look a little bit more attractive now than they did at the trading deadline or before last season, and they have, I like you it, said, they got the three first round picks now. I'm too. going to be honest with you. I think it's more the fan base than anything. Too rabid for him? I think it's the fan base more than anything. I think it would be a harsh market for him. Especially coming off the accusations. Yeah. That's just my opinion. 
you know, so, but you know, you think about it. The Eagles really, you get themselves, they get themselves a really bona fide quarterback. That roster is pretty damn good on both sides of the ball as well. Yeah. It's pretty good. They could use another wide receiver and they had a deal. Evidently they did. Jay Glazer had reported last week that um, Calvin Ridley was going to the, to the Eagles. I'm assuming they would have gave up one of their first round picks that they have there. Well, I think they uh, made a Calvin really Ridley. good signing yesterday with Hassan Reddick. Phenomenal. Phenomenal yeah, that's a great, signing. That's with a very good signing with uh, edge rusher. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But look, we haven't got into the big, the biggest story in the NFL and that's the return of Mr. Tom Brady. Does it shock anybody? I don't think it shocks anybody. We don't have to talk you know, about this, do we? I know, but look, you have to <laughs> you have to touch on it. But I, I look, they brought back Tom Brady. You got to figure Gronkowski's coming back. And I thought they made an excellent under the radar signing of Russell Gage today. You know, kind of uh, hold that spot until Godwin comes back healthy. Who went out with the ACL? He probably won't be ready until I'd have to think probably mid season. Maybe Chris Godwin. They did franchise tag Chris Godwin to Buccaneers. So, but Brady's back and they'll run it back. They'll run it back. The only thing is now, as far as that running back, Fournette's a free agent and Ronald Jones are free agents. So maybe they bring Fournette back for Brady. What Brady wants, Brady gets there, big man. So what he wants, he gets. Well, didn't, didn't they sign a running back? Did they sign one? They got Keyshawn Vaughn that they drafted. Uh, oh, wait. Maybe I'm mistaken. I thought that they – maybe it was a rumor that they were interested in a running back. I guess not because none of these signings have really become official official yet. But um, – Yeah, I don't know if they – Oh, you know what? No, no, no. I'm thinking I'm – because th- the Patriots, I still – fuck. I, I still equate Brady as a Patriot. They re-signed James White. That's what I was thinking of. Oh. But So, unrelated. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, but, I mean – I think I think Gage is is a terrific signing. Um, obviously, Marpet is not coming out of retirement, and no. they lost Alex Kappa, which is a big they time Kappa, which I thought that was a great sign for line. the Bengals. Oh, big great, time! Great sign for the Bengals. Big time. Big they time. needed to solidify that right side, and Kappa does that for them. That's a great so, sign for the Bengals, right there. You know That's what? I, again, I'm going to help I, them out a lot. I I hate to give Brady any sort of not that I'm giving him credit, but I'm defending him a little bit because I see people complaining online. That Brady, he first of all, he was annoyed with the way the whole retirement news broke because apparently Schefter and Darlington broke the news before his decision was like, quote unquote, final or whatever. And he was a little irked by the way that that went down. And he's very egotistical. We know this. That's not splitting the atom by saying that. He's, he's got a very big ego, Tom Brady. And people were criticizing him, saying that he purposely came back the day he did it was selection Sunday and they literally I'm watching the selection show on ESPN and they interrupted bringing you the brackets to show you the Brady tweet and had Reese Davis and company talking about Tom Brady coming back. So they actually stopped talking about college basketball to talk about Tom Brady because that's how big of a figure he is. And I see people criticizing him saying that he did that on purpose or because he knew we would take headlines because that's how big he, I'm like, no silly. The tampering period opens the next day. So he's alerting everybody that he's coming back so that, before these impending free agents, which the Buccaneers had like 14 starters or whatever the number was, how many players that were going to be free agents, letting them know he's coming back. So before they enter the tamper period and agree to terms with other teams, 
so that they can open the door about a return to Tampa Bay. That's why he did it. So I'll just put that out there. I'll be the first one to criticize Tom Brady because I can't stand him. My team has lost to him so many times and kept us from going to Super Bowls over the past 20 years. I'm tired of him. I wish he did retire and stayed in retirement. But I have to defend him in that instance. Did nothing. This didn't have anything to do with his ego. He did this from a, a team perspective. This makes the team better. He's letting these impending free agents know he's coming back right before the tampering period opens so they can try to put together the best roster possible. That's why he picked the timing. Not to take away the glory of college kids going to March Madness. Moronic take. Take the L, everybody who said that. Take the L. <laughs> I can't believe I just defended Tom Brady that uh, passionately. But and, like, and here Aaron, like Rodgers, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's coming back to a clear path Without Brady being there, not that not so fast, not so fast, Aaron. And I saw I saw, uh, I saw Field Yates finalized. tweeted. By the way, because you know, obviously the Broncos were like a rumored landing spot for Rodgers before he decided to come back, and then Russell Wilson goes there, and the moves that the Chargers have made, Khalil Mack, they signed J.C. Jackson, all this stuff, and um, I saw Field Yates, I think it was, who tweeted, "The NFL has leaked the first half." of their Monday night football schedule. And he just said, week one, AFC West matchup. Week two, AFC West matchup. Like, literally, and just like, you know, one, weeks one through eight AFC matchups, which is what it's going to end up going to be, maybe not Monday night football, but every week there's going to be a primetime game between teams in that division. It just, I'm so excited to watch that division go to work. I mean, all the credit in the world to the Raiders for overcoming as much adversity as they did last year. And you had to be confident going into next year with the adversity they were able to overcome and the culture that was kind of built in that locker room. But I mean, we're 48 hours removed from the opening of the tampering period in the NFL. And you're looking objectively, the, the Raiders are the worst team in that division right now. I still think they're a pretty decent team, but they are the worst team in that division right now. Like a, and by, a fall and from by grace far. and it's not of their doing. <laughs> and by far, they're the worst team in the division. For sure. I mean, the, the improvements that the charges have made, the improvements the charges are made, putting Russell Bringing Wilson in Khalil in Mack. They signed um, J.C. Jackson. I mean, regardless of any of the moves that they made, still, Kansas City is the team to beat in that division until proven otherwise. But, I mean, those moves are just incredible. Herbert's just going to get even better, another year of growth. They went on a little bit of a spending spree, and, and Russell Wilson in Denver, ideal marriage. They already had a ready-made roster. They just needed a quarterback. Yeah. So... Uh, but the one thing I look look for too, because we we spoke about it last week about Ron, Von Miller going back to the the Broncos, and he hinted that he kind of wanted to do that. But there's reports now because Randy Gregory snubbed the Cowboys. He agreed to terms on a seventy million dollar deal with the Cowboys, and when it came time to actually sign the dotted lines, there was some type of verbiage that he didn't like. Uh, it was like something that had to do with voiding the contract, and apparently it's not a common thing to do. With the Cowboys, do it with all their contracts, and Gregory didn't like it scared him off because he's had the drug problems. He's gotten suspended time and time again. So he wasn't comfortable signing something like this. So he left and ran and went to the Broncos. Broncos gave him a boatload of money. So now it looks like the Cowboys are in the mix for a guy like Von Miller and they might try to bring him back. They, they may reach the new deal with Lawrence. They've shed a lot of salary. Um, believe they released Jarwin, which freed up some space. They made Obviously it, they released trade Amari Cooper, traded Amari Cooper, which took a lot of money off the books. They reached a new agreement right with, with Gallup, and I believe the cap hit with Gallup in year one is very, very minuscule. So they've gotten they've gotten a little bit of space there to operate. So they're going to be players for someone on the defensive side. 
So. Yeah, and you, you you had heard some rumors that they were interested as soon as he got released uh, with Bobby Wagner, but I don't know what you know. Bobby Wagner is going to go to a team where he has a chance to win. Yeah, I think that just kind of got brought up because of the Dan Quinn connection. Uh, yeah, probably. I would have to think so. But look, that's the sort of splash that Dallas does like to make. It wouldn't shock me if Wagner did go there. But like you said, now they're looking at possibly Von Miller. You heard Von Miller possibly going back to the Rams or possibly going back to the Broncos. So he's got his options, too. He's 33 years old. He still has a little juice left in him. He showed that at the end of last season and in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Uh, is he that every down back again, that linebacker, that, that rusher that he was? He's not that anymore. I, I, you know, look, he, I think he's going to be more of a situational type player for anybody at this point. But again, still quality player there. Bobby Wagner is, man, he'll solidify somebody's defense. Boy, oh boy. I'll tell you what, teams with cap space like the Bengals, I hate to say it. If they bring a guy like that in, woof. Bobby Wagner can still play this game. He's 32 years old, but man, that guy he's, still plays at a high level. He's still one of the best linebackers in football. He's still if not one the of best. the best. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's going to be a name to watch for. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, as we get closer and closer to the draft, and as more of these free agency dominoes uh, start falling, um, there's a lot of good wide receivers on the market that I think that's going to take a little bit of time for that markup to develop. Yeah, I think you're going to start signing. seeing it slow down now. You're going to see the only thing you might see the Giants sign a tight end because they do not have a tight end on the roster. You look at a guy like Hayden Hurst, maybe. Um, that's a little bit of success with, with the Falcons. He's had success with the Ravens a little bit. No, not much, but he's a tight end. You know, he, he's good. Uh, maybe a guy like that they bring in. But, you know, in Dable's, in Dable's offense, he likes that sort of hybrid. He likes that guy that could play fullback tight end that hybrid sort of uh, uh, position there. So um, we'll see, but the Giants have to bring in somebody because they really have nobody on their roster as far as the tight end. I think they got Chris Myrick or something on the roster. That's it. You know, and no more Evan Ingram. Player. Evan Ingram days are over. Yeah. He's, he signed with the Jags. You know, when, when they were talking to Jags needing a tight end, the one thing I said, I think they're going to sign Ingram because they were signing everybody else. The Jaguars, they did a lot of damage in free agency. And, I, and as much as they overpaid him, yes, they overpaid him. I like Christian Kirk a lot. I, I do, just too. Thought, I, I, do I, too. I didn't think he got enough volume in Arizona. And when, when Hopkins went down that time last season, Kirk started getting the ball, and he was – Kirk was producing. Yeah, he was. He was producing. I think he's going to – I tell you what, that team's going to be much improved. Doug Peterson's a good coach. Obviously, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Solid coach. I think that's going to help. Uh, Trevor Lawrence immensely because I still think Trevor Lawrence is a stud. Uh, this dysfunction that Urban Meyer brought to that team was a detriment to Trevor Lawrence. Now they bring in a, you know, a guy like Christian Kirk. They still have Marvin Jones, a veteran wide receiver, James Robinson. Kind of think that they could probably use another running back. James Robinson is a good solid back, but they could use that guy as a pass catching. I tell you the truth, they could have, they should have signed Jake uh, McKissick. Uh, because, you know, obviously the Buffalo's, uh, Buffalo Bills brought him in. Guy like McKissick going to the, to the Jaguars, they could use that sort of a third down back, that pass catching back that James Robinson really isn't. More of a downhill runner. I think they could use a running back. But again, you can get a guy like that in a draft too. So they'll be much improved on. I think, I think you'll, see, you'll see the better version of Trevor Lawrence than the one we've seen this season. 
Well, I think I think they could have brought back the same exact roster and they would have been improved just off the premise of having Peterson instead of Meyer. I mean, I don't think yeah, there was no anyone doubt. on the planet that thought no that, that didn't think that Urban Meyer was going to be a massive right, failure. Right. I mean, everybody right. saw the writing on the wall. That was just a, a terrible decision to begin with. But yeah, they'll they'll be improved. And like I said, this is just the these are just the the beginning dominoes to fall in the NFL offseason. There'll be tons more storylines, tons more signings. We'll get closer and closer to the draft. You know, we do big time coverage of that. Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll continue to do that. Got the Rangers got the, on the uh, ice got right the now. Hockey trading deadline is March 21st. So we'll get into that a little bit next show. We'll have some of that. We'll have uh, whatever other free agent signings in baseball and in the NFL and trades. And listen, we're going to have a lot of them still. I think it's going to slow down here for a little bit of a period. I think, again, you're going to see more trades now in baseball, especially um, because I kind of think you see that low right now with the big free agents. I don't, I, I, I think most of these guys might take one year deals, Andrew, the, you know, training camps already open. Yeah. You know, it's already open. These guys are going to want to get into training camp and get situated on a team. You know, they got to look for housing and stuff like that too. So uh, you might see these guys, some movement might just be one year deals with guys like Chris Bryant or Castellanos or, or Korea or Trevor story, any of these big names that are out there. So, you know, a guy like Kyle Schwarber, he's the type of guy to, that'll take a one or two year deal. He's not, you know, he, that guy's not getting a multi year deal. But under normal, what, under a, normal circumstances, I think he probably only get a two year deal too. Yeah, to be he's honest an explosive with you. bat. But all these other guys might take one year deals, and who knows? Maybe the Yankees step up and and bring a guy like that in uh, of of uh, of uh, you know Freddie, uh, not Freddie Freeman of a career. Maybe even a Chris Bryant. Who knows? Maybe they bring somebody in. You know. It's got to be so, a suitor for some of these guys. They're not going to go unsigned. No, nope, <laughs> so they're not. They're they will, not, they will have not. a team. Hopefully they have one by next episode because it will certainly give us some some talking points for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, we got the Rangers on the ice right now to tie 2-2 with the Ducks in the third period. Um, you know, trade deadline coming up. We'll dissect their moves next episode when they're made because, obviously, there will be moves. We know that. And we know the areas they need to address. We talked about that. Need some. They could use a veteran defenseman, a veteran physical defenseman. Uh, to put on the third pair, and they could use a third-line winger, uh, maybe even a second-liner, depending on what the price is, the, what the going rate is for some of these wingers. So they need alternative scoring. So we'll uh, we'll see what they end up doing once the deadline comes on the 21st, which is a week away, and uh, and we'll break all that stuff down. And obviously March Madness, which is my favorite time of the year. A lot of people out there listening, it's their favorite time of the year. The uh, first four kicks off tonight. We had a game between uh, Texas Southern and Texas Corpus Christi. It was actually a very good game. Texas Southern takes a 16 seed. They'll be playing Kansas in round one. Um, big game at Rutgers tomorrow. A big game tonight, too, Indiana, in Indiana and Wyoming. Um, and then Thursday is when it all kicks off. 16 games on Thursday, 16 on Friday. I'll be binge-watching them all. So uh, looking forward to it. We'll talk about all that good stuff as it goes down as well. Yeah, so, we'll um, talk about it next week. Anything else that I'm, that I'm missing? That's it. We've covered a lot here. Oh, one thing. One thing that I was missing. And just thankful. I saw videos and pictures today. That car accident that Pete Alonzo was in. God almighty, thank God. Yeah, he's that was okay. bad. Yeah, that was bad. I thank seen that. God I seen the that, video. that guy is okay. Oh, I'm sure everybody knows about it. But if you don't, he, he got into an accident on his way to the Port St. Lucie facility. His car flipped three times and he walked away without a scratch. Had to kind of kick through the windshield to get out of the car. But I mean, unreal. Unreal, the damage. He drives a big super duty Ford pickup. So, you know, that probably absorb some of the damage, I guess. Um, but man, thank God he's okay. And, uh, 
and he, he took full, uh, he was full participant in all team activities today. He took batting practice, was hitting some moon shots. So he's, he's good to go. But uh, yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it. I'm not forgetting anything. We covered a lot, lots of NFL, lots of MLB, lots of stuff still to come in the coming weeks. So this is only the, getting started with all the business that's going to come in the sports world over the past uh, month, over the next month or so. So yes, sir. we'll be here to uh, to break it all down as we go, one step closer to the big episode 100 that we think is going to be on uh, NFL draft week. So inching closer and closer with a lot of news to talk about. So uh, until then, you can follow me on social media, Andrew May underscore 21. Uh, you could follow Rob on his social media, Robo G6, R-O-B-B-O G6. So I assume also, every time I think of your Twitter account, I think of the card breaks. I'm assuming you are not going to be giving Carlos Rodon your Justin <laughs> Herbert card now, right? No, I wasn't going to give it to him. I would have gave him maybe a better deal if he signed with the Mets, but he didn't. So yeah, so he's beat now. His, his loss is beat. Yeah. All right. Well, you can follow Rob, Robo G6. And if you want a Justin Herbert card, you want to pay the piper, you could certainly hit him up and do that as well. Um, but that'll do it for episode 95. We'll be back with 96 next week. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy March Madness, um, and count down the days till the NFL draft because that's a big time of the year as well. So we'll see everybody next week. Until then, for Rob Dufresne, I'm Andrew May. We'll see you guys.